Welcome to the Quilting Arts Podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of contemporary art quilting. I'm Susan Brubaker Knapp, and I'm here with my friend, Vivica. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Vivica Denegri, and I'm the editor of Quilting Arts Magazine, and I work with Susan on Quilting Arts TV as well. Quilting Arts TV is a PBS TV show, and we really talk about wonderful, cool, techniques and talk to lots of wonderful artists as well. So yeah, I mean, we have such great conversations in the green room, which is the area where everybody gets ready before they go on set. And, uh, you know, so many times we've said, oh, be so great to have these conversations and be able to share them with the audience because some of the best, juiciest stuff happens in the green room during those conversations. That's right. And you and I have been talking about this for a long time, about how we wanted to make sure that, not necessarily make sure that, but how we wanted to sort of extend that time that we have at Quilting Arts TV, because that's just a a great time when we get together. It only happens about twice a year, but it brings so many interesting people together, people that wouldn't normally sit together around a table necessarily, unless we're at Houston or at another quilt show. But we get into some topics really, really deeply. And it's not probably the kind of things that people would think that we talk about all the time. Either. Yeah. And the conversations diverge in fascinating ways into topics that are related to all kinds of things that connect somehow with art and with art quilting. And that's what I love about it is you really do get deep into some of those um, subjects that wouldn't normally come up when we're sitting and actually shooting um, the TV show. Exactly. And, you know, it sort of reminds me, I think the last time we were there, or maybe it was even six months ago, we had on um, some guests from just different parts of the country. And some of them had not necessarily started as quilters, but they had started in fine art. And I'm thinking particularly mm-hmm. of um, a couple of people who uh, really focused a lot on photography in their artwork. And it kept coming up that all of us now are photographers because we have our cell phones with us everywhere. And all of us are philosophers because we (laughs) write about the images that we take. And all of us seem to have, you know, some really interesting insights that really go beyond making perfect mitered corners or where we want to display our art. And Mm -hmm. so that is, you know, one of those things that's my hope for this podcast, that we can incorporate anything about art quilting, but also the why, not just the how, but the why we do it, why we love it, and what makes it so incredibly special and heartwarming to be together. Yeah. If you think about it, art is not completely or not about the techniques at its core. It's about ideas and emotions. And so it connects with everything, everything that's happening in our lives, in the world, um, you know, the things we see around us, the techniques are just the way we express it. So we're teaching the techniques, but we're also talking about those ideas that are behind the art. And isn't that what's even more important? And I can't help but think in the times that we've been going through in the last month and few months, I can't help but think about how all of us are reacting to what is happening in our world, whether it's what is happening on the streets of our cities, whether it's what's happening on social media, whether it's happening in our hospitals or in our families, you know, the expression is extremely important. And I feel honored 
to be able to promote what others do, because I sort of see that as my job. My job is no longer to just be a quilt artist, but it is to help promote what other people do and to help um, bring their artwork to a larger audience. And so I I feel honored to be able to do that. Yeah. And I feel like that's my mission with hosting Quilting Arts TV too, is to help artists be seen, help them get their messages out, help them teach others how to do what they do or to make them think in a different way. So it's, it's important to me for that reason. Exactly. And so I think one of the reasons I was excited that you wanted to do this podcast with me, first of all, thank you, because that's oh, well, thank you to have you <laughs> on the other side of the microphone. But um, I think it's fabulous that we have a true artist um, in the host seat. So oh, thank if you. Our, <laughs> if our readers are not aware, Susan is an amazing artist. She is someone who can not only draw and paint, whether it's drawing and painting on paper or doing that on fabric. She is also a wonderful teacher. And I have learned so much, um, not only technical things from you, which of course I use every single day when I get out my sewing machine, <laughs> but also, um, also meaningful things about behind the art and, uh, and how to communicate with people things like that. So Well, thank you. You are an artist too. I know that you don't get much time to do it with everything else you're doing, but you make beautiful things. Well, thank you. So I'm, I'm happy to be here and we're going to have a lot of fun and I hope have really great discussions with, um, with our guests. Absolutely. Well, you know, it was, it was very easy to pick the theme for this first podcast for our pilot <laughs> episode, wasn't it? I mean, yes. I I think it's impossible to ignore the first podcast theme of really getting your groove and staying creative in a time when you are basically either sheltering in place or just starting to emerge like a little caterpillar from a Mm -hmm. cocoon. Um, And many of us are totally stressed out and dealing with learning new skills, whether that's how to be on, you know, a a meeting digitally (laughs) or whether it's how to homeschool your kid or how it's, how it's, you know, how to juggle your career and everything else. But, you know, everybody's pretty stressed out and crazy right now. Exactly. There are a lot of different things pulling us in different directions. So right after our quick break, we're going to come back with our first guest, Lyric Montgomery Kennard. Yay! This is the segment that Susan and I are calling Artist in Residence. We all know that artists have opportunities to visit interesting places, and we hope that the Quilting Arts Podcast is one of those interesting places for an artist to come in and talk about her work. So today we're welcoming Lyric Montgomery Kennard. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We're so excited to have you, Lyric. Um, Lyric is a friend of mine, and now we live closer together. She lives in Cary, which is near Raleigh, North Carolina. And she is an amazing artist who does a lot of surface design techniques. She's a fabulous teacher, and she's really good at helping people kind of, you know, figure out how to use a lot of different materials and teaches really interesting techniques. So um, I'm really happy that you're here on the very first podcast to talk with us, Lyric. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You've been doing some really interesting things while we've been dealing with COVID-19. And um, I thought it'd be fun to talk to you about 
some of the ways that you have been creative, both um, in your business, you know, and as a teacher and as an artist. So can you share a little bit with us? Right. So when things shut down, um, I kind of shut down as well. And one of the ways I crawled out of my mental hole was to start making connections again with other artists, with other teachers, with other quilters around the world. I've been so very fortunate to to be able to travel around the world and meet the best people because quilters (laughs) are the best people, aren't they? Yeah. Um, So I started calling them. And recording video chats with them where we talked about how we were dealing with the shutdown. And we talked about how we were trying to keep our creativity going during a time when everything changes, when everything is different. You know, most of us, all of our teaching gigs had been canceled for the year. Um, Mm. And, you know, it's, it's just been really, really interesting to connect with people all over the world and see how they are dealing with this. Yeah. I think it's fascinating though, how, you know, a lot of artists are introverts. And so it's hard for those of us who are introverts. A lot of us have gone into a little bit of a depression or at least the blues and a sense of being kind of paralyzed. Um, Other people have become kind of hyperactive in what they've been doing. So what are some of the tips, you know, when these people that you've talked to, what are the tips that they're offering or what have they been doing to kind of get themselves out of that funk and, and deal with some of those big, heavy issues in our world right now? Right. And it's been really interesting across the board, whether people are extroverts or introverts, um, pretty much everybody has had periods during this time of going into that hole of being mm. depressed at some point at some point of having their creativity just take a dive and go away and i think that's because there's so much other mental stress going on outside of our creative selves and everybody deals with it in a different way the first thing everybody has talked about was give yourself a break you know, do something else. Pretty much every single person I talked to was doing something else that was mindless, but involved moving your hands, that involved creating. People were knitting, people were piecing random scraps together. Yeah, Vivica's been doing something, and I have too. I think it's (laughs) actually very funny that you say that because I can't sew right now, but I have knit two sweaters and a half. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I've and knit like, like in a month. <laughs> yeah, I've done 20 dishcloths, which are just, you know, casting on 40 stitches and knitting, knitting, knitting them. Um, yeah, I'm giving them to everyone I know. You'll probably get one in the mail. And I've seen <laughs> one thing I saw that was hysterical is uh, Heidi Lund posted a picture of the front of her new home. Did you see this on Instagram? It no. was so beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. It She did the before and the after picture. And when I, commented on it. She said, I just want to, you know, I can't quilt right now. So I'm just moving tons of stone and literally tons of stone into the front and this gorgeous garden that has arrived. But do you notice that it's still creative? You know, it's still, it's creative to knit, it's creative to crochet, it's creative to garden, but we're all dealing with it differently. Mm-hmm. But right. those really repetitive things like embroidery or knitting, I think when you do something that's repetitive, it it helps. 
It helps somehow it with your brain it deal really, with stress. It really, does. Mm-hmm. So anybody who knows me knows that I am not a person who pieces fabric together. I'm not a patchwork person. And for weeks, besides making masks, um, all I did was cut up scraps into half square triangles and sew them together. And just any time my brain just completely shut down, I could sew lines of scraps together. Do you see the image behind me? We're all looking at each other, by the way, on um, on the screen while we're right. talking, which is sort of fun because you two are in North Carolina and I am in Connecticut. And I'm moving sideways so you guys can see the massive amounts of half square triangles on my wall because that really is the only thing I'm doing. I don't know how beautiful it is, but it's something it is nice. It's yeah. really nice. And you got a lot farther than I did. I made, I think, three blocks. And then <laughs> I started doing things. I think when you are doing something, when your creative mind is ready to come back, if it finds your hands moving and it finds you doing something even mindless, that it's easier to pull back into that creative space. So as I was making those things, um, I would have other ideas. And for me, who is not an introvert, (laughs) I really needed to make that connection. So once I started making connections with other people, with the the chats I've been recording, um, my my creative self started waking up. And while I'm piecing together these scraps, I would think, huh, this is an interesting design idea. What if I did, what if I tried that? And I haven't really gone and made any other art quilts yet. I've poured my creative energies into um, putting up new online classes and things because personally, I found that I get even more or just as much creative ideas and energy and juice from interacting with students. Hmm. And it was amazing after my first virtual online class you know, interacting with 20 or 100 other students live, I woke up the next morning just in my usual, I have so many ideas pouring into my head that I can't (laughs) write them down fast enough. I can't imagine trying to teach. Yeah. I can't imagine trying to teach that many people virtually. Has that, what challenges has that been? Um, Well, a lot of people was a live lecture. You know, so there wasn't a lot of mm-hmm. a ton of interaction until it was after. But the class itself was the usual class. I was of about twenty, and um, the challenge for me, and it's going to run completely differently for every other teacher. Um, everybody has their own unique style. Was that um, I knew live online, I could set up all the text so that they could see me right then doing the thing. And I had all the supplies there ready, but I filmed everything in advance so that we could have super close lighting so that we could have great close up shots and no interruptions of, you know, my son starting to play the bass while he was practicing downstairs in the middle of it. I just wanted a clean, clean um a demonstration for the students. And then I could just screen share and everybody had a front row seat. So I find there is also great advantages. You know, the disadvantages is I'm, I'm showing them the video, stopping it and making comments come afterwards when 
I'm asking them to hold up their pieces and show me. It's a little bit more difficult live that way because I've got all kinds of good lighting set up, but not many of the students do. So I have to guide them and say, no, hold it a little bit to the left. Don't move, don't move yet. Hold it still so I can see what you've done. Um, but, you know, we make it work. And this was a group who all knew each other. And you could tell they were having so much fun being in their tribe again, having all of them together, doing this thing that they love together. Um, so, you know, that for me created a whole lot of creative energy. Mm. So there are a few things that you've said that I think are important. One of them you just said, which is tribe, because we are part of a tribe and we get so much from just being together and seeing each other on a screen or seeing each other live. I really miss the live hugs, but you know, at least we can see one another. But the other thing is the effectiveness of, of um, learning online seems to be really good. But as well, these are things that all of us can do at home and all of us who are affected financially by this, it's, it's a big effect on the mm -hmm. artistic community who are, you know, teachers and travel professionally. This has been a big hit, not only, you know, in yeah. the non-art wor world, but in the art quilting world as well. Yeah, there are and teachers who depend on that income to support their families who now have no teaching for the rest of the year. And, um, you know, there are there are lots of quilt shows and it, it's just had huge ripples through our industry. But I think that nimbleness that our community is showing, whether it was just from the very beginning in, was it March that Sakwa had to, within 10 days, make a conference virtual from a, a time when we all would have been together in Toronto. Um, that kind of pivoting, I think, is important, but also um, for all of us who are artists to find a way to reach our clientele. That's mm -hmm. amazing that you've been able to do that. And find a new way to do that lyric, because I don't think everybody has found that new way. And that's creativity, too, right there. Figuring Absolutely. out a different way is creativity, you know? Right. You know, and I've always enjoyed the business aspect, and I'm a complete techie. I was so excited at Quilting Arts TV. I think it was the second time I came in when I asked, and they let me go into the producer's room and just watch <laughs> everybody pushing all the buttons and, and see how everything works behind the scenes. I find that completely fascinating. You know, I'm the person who, when I buy a movie on DVD, I skip the movie and watch the special features because I just want to. <laughs> see how it's made. Um, it is pretty cool, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. one thing that I can do is I can put some photos up on our show notes that we'll have um, associated with this podcast that shows some of those back scenes pictures because they're fascinating. All yep. these screens up and, and our producers sitting there talking into their massive microphones and there's little lyrics sitting on the screen, you know, and Susan. <laughs> I always try to take, yeah, I try to take pictures from the set looking out too, because our viewers always want to know like what the cameras look like and all the equipment that's in there that makes the show possible is interesting. It's exactly a because team. It's a team, but our set is enormous compared to some sets. Uh, but in addition, it looks like it's this cozy place, a cozy room. And like when you pan out with the camera, you see that there's no ceiling and there are all these <laughs> lights hanging down and and it's so hot on set. Do you remember how hot it is in front of those cameras? Yes. I don't know it's how hot. you do it, Susan. Linen. 
linen. That's how I do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And so one other thing that um, I find helps people to come back into their creativity is to start small. One Mm. of the things that other people have done and that I really enjoy doing is giving yourself a tiny little box to live in. Give yourself an assignment, a small amount of time, like set a timer for 15 minutes, choose a size of five by seven, and then choose one element of art, say line, and a subject, perhaps tree. And on a five by seven piece of paper or fabric or whatever your medium is, just play with those two ideas for 15 minutes and then throw it away at the end. You know, be completely free to just mess around without any expectations, without any um, idea or struggle about being good or pretty or perfect. I think one of those things is coming from a mother of five. (laughs) (laughs) And, And what I'm hearing you say, and I could be wrong, is that rules actually give you freedom. Because if you give yourself rules or you give your children rules, and this is coming from a mother of four. So we have nine, 10, 11 <laughs> children between us. You win, Lyric. But if you give your kids or yourself parameters and really stick to those parameters, it's amazing what you can do. And I'm reminded of this because we are actually taping in early June and about nine years ago now, I think it was nine years ago, I gave myself an hour a day, a, I forget the dimensions, I think it was five by seven dimension of fabric. And um, I told myself I couldn't buy anything. So these are my rules. And I had to make a prayer flag every day for the month of June. And I do believe this was 2011. And I got more done. And I grew in unbelievable ways by those tiny pieces of fabric and making myself do it. And I think this is something that we can all learn from, whether it's 15 minutes and throw it out or an hour and keep it or whatever. I think it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a combination of discipline, of doing the thing um, and parameters. Um, I'm also an advocate of after you've worked within those parameters, you can expand and do whatever you want outside of the box, but sometimes giving yourself a box to start with. I find I find when I'm doing these 15-minute exercises that the ideas just flood. I'm working with something completely different um, and without expectations. And then while I'm doing that, design solutions will pop into my head for another piece that has been stuck and blocked for ages. It's just the idea of doing something and um, exploring. Yeah. And without, when it's something little, limitations. It, yeah. When it's something little, it's, it's play, right? So Absolutely. you get to experiment and play and it's not important. It's as soon as we start saying, well, I'm going to create my grand masterpiece that we get into trouble <laughs> because if you're, <laughs> yeah, if you start small, then you're giving yourself permission to fail and throw it away. And that makes all the difference in the world for me. And I think for most of my students uh, have experienced the same thing. Um, Let yourself just do it and make the mistakes and fail and try over again. And you realize that you can pitch it out. 
And one of my favorite sayings while I'm teaching, because students will come and say, how do I do this? What should I do? And I say, try it. Try it and see. What if? That's the question I answer. Well, what if you do it? Um, because I teach a lot of design theory, my goal when I'm teaching is to help my students think and design on their own without me there telling them what to do. So I always ask them, just try it and see what's the worst that could happen. All right, let's just take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's really interesting to me to see how many people are doing things within this this time that they were under quarantine or whatever. Um, they have made projects for themselves or they're doing things that organizations or artists are doing online. Um, like Denise Schmidt has been doing the proverbial quilt along where people are making those quilts with sayings in them. And a lot of them have to do with our situation right now. Um, there are people doing Sakwa has a hundred day or had a hundred day project. And a lot of people were doing really interesting things and it was all over the place. There, um, you know, Terry Grant, I loved her. Did you see her embroidery piece that she did where she created like a, a thing that had a hundred spaces in it and they were all pretty small. And then she did beautiful embroidery inside them. Well, if you're going to do it for a hundred days, it better be small. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only but, way. But there again, just what Lyric was talking about, the little, the little square, right? Or that, or like you, the five by seven prayer flag, you start with a something small and attainable, and then you can do it for a hundred days, or maybe you can do it for a year. Right. And, and you maybe, never know what you learn in the process. Mm -hmm. That's right. You can also stop, which is, you know, this in knitting, they call it frogging. So I don't know what you call it with quilting. When you just start something and start something and stop, but you, there's no one, there are no quilt police. I have learned that and no one will criticize you for saying I've learned enough at day 57. I don't have to do the additional 43. I hope I can add. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but you can learn something from all of this. And I agree. I've loved seeing those things online. And uh, Jennifer Solon also did some beautiful work beautiful work with this. Right. Yeah. And, and Susie Monday works. did one that was, was COVID-19 related to, that was fascinating that had little X's on it. And I think she started, I may be wrong about this, but I think she, she added more and more to it as it went along to note, you know, the number of cases or the number of deaths or something like that. But it, it's a beautiful piece and it stands on it, its own. It's not just about the coronavirus, but it's, um, it's very powerful, you know? If you know the backstory, right. you learn, right. you learn amazing things by just practicing and doing something over and over. Um, I am the queen of starting a hundred day kind of project and getting to day three and then things happen at home <laughs> and I get distracted <laughs> and off it goes. Um, so I have learned not to commit to that much, but for 10 days or like with the chats for a while, I was doing one a day. And then as that fulfilled, the need. Um, I space them out a little bit more. And for me, I've learned things completely different than my regular textile work. You know, I've learned all kinds of the tech things that will help me in my textile work going forward. So anytime that you spend time working and learning, whether it's useful to exactly what you're working on right now, whether it's you know, your masterpiece or not, any skill that you add 
comes in handy at some point later. Every tool you put in your kit is Mm -hmm. going to be useful at some point, even if it's not what you are in need of for this particular project you're in the middle of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of artists too have been turning to their art um, as a way of documenting and also as catharsis to kind of help deal with these emotions that we're having um, about what's going on, you know, or to numb them or you can numb Mm -hmm. them by, by doing something, you know, that's that mindless thing again, you know, and and it's been, it's been a couple months now. So it was pretty universal that at the beginning people were just mindlessly doing, and it's been fascinating and lovely to see people come out of it and to, slowly build into other projects. You know, some people right away were able to dig in and spend that time learning and doing the big projects they never had time for before, but that was very few of them. Um, And now, like the um, proverbial quilt challenge that you mentioned, people are doing more creative things and a lot of them do apply directly to what we're doing right now. I think art has always been a means of expression and a way for an artist to speak in a visual language. We might not write, we might not um, speak, but we can create these things and image with whatever medium we use that will convey what's going on in our mind, in our head, through our own unique vision, um, expressing how we see the world. And the world is a really interesting place right now. The world is different from what anybody in our generation in our place has seen before. So processing that through the visual language has been a really, really interesting thing to see. It has. Oh. And, and part of what has unfolded has unfolded on television and on our computers because we're stuck at our homes. So we're looking at the world and what's happening out there. Um, so it, it is very visual and maybe but artists will interpret that in their own work. And I've loved actually watching the two of you take um, a leadership role in this. And this is something that I just feel so passionately about that you two have, have actually created a space both online and in exhibition um, opportunities for people to reach out and try to make sense of the world and try to help make the world a better place through art and through art quilting. And I'd love to have you talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So Lyric and I decided um, a couple of years ago that we really wanted to curate an exhibition that would allow artists to create meaningful work about they're heroes, people who had made the world a better place. And so um, the the first A Better World exhibition debuted at Houston last fall, and it was going on to some other venues, or it did go to, to one of the Mancuso shows, and then um, kind of got stalled in its tracks. We think we're going to get it back on the tracks here um, as it comes to the Raleigh area soon. But um, it was a way to inspire and uplift at a time when we felt like there was so much division in our country, in our world. And it was, it was fabulous to do it. Um, and Lyric, maybe you want to talk a little bit about the one that's coming next. Um, we have, oh, the... Better World Part Two. Better World Part Two. Thanks. 
Um, it will be called A Better World Envisioning the Future. And it's a, it's a follow-on to honoring heroes. In this case, it will be helping artists to imagine visually what they think the very best world could possibly be with no holds, no limitations, no, um, no boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. No barriers in the way to what they think a better world might be. And to depict that visually, I cannot wait to see how people create their vision um, with art. I wonder if you will have some very interesting COVID or Black Lives Matter inspired quilts that will come out of the last few months of um, of our experience as a country and as a world um, in this exhibition. It just absolutely know, we will. Yeah. So many of us are so affected by everything that's happening around us and hopefully affected in a way that makes positive change for everybody. I just hope that we can make that positive change and that recognize that positive change as we in the art spend world. so much more time staring at screens instead of being out and with people is the the failings and the way things have fallen apart in much of the world and much of our society and I do think so many people have talked about having the determination and the will, finally, to come out of this and take steps to make things better, both with the hero exhibit and the envisioning the future. Part of our mission was to inspire our audience, not just look at something and feel good, but we really wanted them to act after they see it. So in the artist statements, it was teaching about the issue, the hero, and for the envisioning the future, it will be, this is what I imagine. And all of them include a call to action. With envisioning the future, we can encourage our viewers to do one small thing today to step toward that goal of a better future. And that's really how the world works. It doesn't, there, well, there are often people who do great, big, giant, huge, miraculous things, and one person can change the world. But most of the time, it's all of us taking small steps together toward a better thing. Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's very interesting. I do think that art makes a difference. And I think that our voices are heard visually, and our voices are heard through audio. Our voices are heard through video, you know, all of these different ways. But I've always told my kids that every person can make a difference, every single one of us. And you can be like that raindrop, that one drop of rain can, can break down a boulder. If you keep doing it, your little drop of rain can, can shape a boulder, but it also can turn to ice and it can split a boulder. And so each one of us has an opportunity. And that's one reason I'm really glad about uh, having this podcast. So we can share the voices of our artists in residence as you've done today, Lyric. I think that's really important. That's really wonderful. So Lyric, thank you so much for being our first artist in residence. I can't thank you enough for giving us so much of your time and so many of your tips. And I'm going to... pull some of these tips together and put them in the show notes. But also, if you have anything else you'd like to add, feel free. 
It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Um, the only thing I'd like to add is to just give people hope to know that art is still here, community is still here. Um, reach out and make connections with the people you know and love. Those are Thank wise you. words. Thank you so much, Lyric. What a great conversation. I am so glad that Lyric could be our first artist in residence. Yeah, great ideas. And she's talked to so many people, so she has good tips. But, you know, I think that that last bit really hit me. Keeping hope, knowing mm -hmm. that art can make a difference in your life and knowing that art can make a difference in other people's lives and really reflects what's going on today. I think that was absolutely fantastic. Yes. So one thing, Susan, that you and I definitely have in common mm -hmm. is a love for quotes. Yes. A love for quotes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, Can you please share a quote with us that yeah. would just sort of help wrap up um, this wonderful first podcast? I have episode? a good, great quote from Toni Morrison. Um, this is from an essay that she did for The Nation in 2015. And it goes like this. This is precisely the time when artists go to work. There is no time for despair, no place for self-pity, no need for silence, no room for fear. We speak, we write, we do language. That is how civilizations heal. I know the world is bruised and bleeding, and though it is important not to ignore its pain, it is also critical to refuse to succumb to its malevolence. Like failure, chaos contains information that can lead to knowledge, even wisdom, like art. So she's talking a lot about writing rather than visual art, but I think the message is exactly the same. Art is art, whether it's written, quilted, or painted, or danced. Thank you so much for joining me today, Susan. It's been fun. Thanks so much. It really has been fun. And hey, Susan, don't forget. Make time for contemporary quilting every day. Thanks for listening. Remember, there's lots more information about the things we discussed in this episode, including photos and links on our show notes page. Just follow the link in the description on our website, quiltingdaily.com. If you want to hear episodes as soon as they come out, please subscribe. Just search for Quilting Arts Podcast in whatever app you use, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And when you do, please leave a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. The Quilting Arts Podcast is a production of Golden Peak Media. It's hosted by me, Vivica Hanson-Denegri, and Susan Brubaker-Knapp. This episode was recorded and edited by Evan Rutherford. Sarah Erickson is our web producer. And our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.